Welcome, listeners, everyone. This is the inaugural episode, the launching episode, as you will, of a uh, new, new Gundam, well, new Gundam dedicated podcast, creatively titled Mobile Suit Podcast. Podcast, yes. Uh, you know, if if we're open to suggestions on changing the name, uh, I'm I'm your host Eric Wong. With me is my co-host Philip Fleming. Yes, indeed. I mean, personally, I wanted to call it Operation V, but, you know, I feel like it would go over a lot of people's heads, maybe. Maybe not. I think it would go over almost everyone's heads. <laughs> Operation V. Nah, not if, you, not if you're a big Gundam fan. And then your first suggestion was even worse. <laughs> what was it? MSO8 podcast? Like, what does that even mean? The 8th MSO... Yeah. What do you mean? What does that mean? It means, it means like, we are the 8th podcast team. Unless you're already big and your niche is really deep, like your podcast title should give you to a clue to like listeners who don't know what it's about. Mm. So we are a mobile suit podcast, for better or for worse. Um, <laughs> yeah, this is going to be a dedicated Gundam podcast. Each episode, we're going to watch, uh, we're going to pick a series and then we'll watch, you know, two to three episodes. We'll, we'll see how we do two episodes and then we'll do. Some commentary and then some analysis and some reactions. This started in that me and Phil we have we had another we had a comics podcast, but we kept going on so many tangents about Gundam. <laughs> we might as well it's like well, let's let's just do an actual podcast about Gundam and we kind All of right. so like why not right and like me being the the bigger Gundam fan of the two, um so. I mean, I'm not gonna say I'm an expert, but I, I know more than Eric, so that's yes. that's what I'm, I'm more of a Neil, relatively recent convert. Let's 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 talk about that. Let's like wait a second. What's our introduction? So, well, first of all, for those who don't know what Gundam is, I would be surprised why you're listening to a Gundam <laughs> podcast. But for those who don't know, it's a long-running anime franchise in Japan. Started, kicked off with the original, the first series, Mobile Suit Gundam. Now, right. I guess Recon as Mobile Suit Gundam 78. 79. 79 to distinguish it from all of it. Highly, highly influential anime. More, it created this entire genre of what's called the real robot genre. Because, like, you know, mechs and stuff like that. For those who don't know, do we have, should, we, should we explain what a mech is? What a mecha is? Uh, I mean, yeah, sure, why not? Like, a mecha is essentially a uh, walking suit. Power, walking powered suit, uh, to, essentially a tank on legs, a tank with legs. Yep. And then kind of this this sort of existed in various Japanese anime and manga before then, but it was uh, much more on the on the spectrum of realism to escapism. It was far on the escapism end. They had it was less about like realistic understanding of how the engineering and physics, and more of just like let's go hey, wacky. Wow, cool robot. Yeah, wacky, lots of lasers, stuff like yeah. that. Gundam, created by uh, Yoshika Tomino, yeah. uh, really emphasized the realism of it. These are more akin to military vehicles that have to be piloted. And there's a lot of emphasis on the psychology of the characters and the toll of war and the logistics of it, which, you know, to say that it's influence, uh, Gundam created this genre, which has influenced so many other anime. And... It's not, I think, anime fans in the in the Western world, in the U.S. know Gundam, but over in Japan, 
it's as mainstream as Star Trek and Star Wars. Like, people who don't watch anime know what Gundam is. Yeah, that's true. Because, <clears throat> um, what's it called? It's funny how even in, because uh, when Gundam was introduced to the West, the people's, most people's first foray into it was uh, Mobile Suit Gundam, I mean, sorry, New Mobile Report Gundam Wing. Uh, which was introduced in what was that 2000 2001 yeah, being, uh, video tsunami which i think is most people's introduction to it yes in the West. yes and then later on then they brought the original 0079 to uh to the west as well so we got both gundam wing and mobile suit gundam showing on tsunami and then uh later on in the years they had tsunami had the midnight run which uh, played 8th MS Team, which was a more mature take. So it was taking place in the same universe as uh, Mobile Suit Gundam 0079, but was more focused on, like, the uh, Earthside battles, which was supposed to be inspired by uh, the Vietnam War. So it was, like, uh, battles going on within uh, Southeast Asia. Yeah, I think that's really important to mention that at the time when it came out, it was the late 70s, early 80s, and... You know, like like other manga, me and Phil have read. Anyone read that? Like Japan. You know that that's in the psychology, I think, of of, of the of, of the series, the the cultural context of just Vietnam and America's like interventions, and then of course Japan's mixed history with right. with being an imperialistic power and then kind of being defeated and put in its place and realizing what they've done, and and a lot of you know a lot of yeah, philosophy and themes about the point of war, the futility of war, the cost of war. Um, very, Which is what, you know, attracts me and Phil so much to it. Uh, contrasting with the tension of, at the end of the day, this is, a, this is a show that's also supposed to sell toys. This is supposed to sell toys to kids. So, yeah. like, you, you have this really mature military drama that's, that's, you know, underneath cool, wow, cool robots, you know? Yeah, yeah, and, and, yeah there's always that tension of, like, this war is bad. But also the mecha and the battles look really cool. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's like war is bad, but it's really pretty to look at. Oh gosh, which is think. absolutely funny. Yeah, and I think each I think each series has had to handle that and deal with that tension in its own ways, which we'll explore as we'll go through them. Also important to note is that due to the popularity of this franchise, which has ran for over three, three going, on, going on four decades now oh almost. yeah 40 it just had its 40th anniversary yeah 40th anniversary there's, there's been there's different continuities they've had for, for the for you know similar to a lot of other fandom type franchises it was all connected in the beginning in one series and then they decided to like switch direction and then certain series are in their own continuity their own universe uh there's a bunch of them so uh, part right. of why i think me and Phil want to do this podcast is that for anyone that's new to the Gundam franchise and wants to jump in and doesn't know where to start like I was a few years ago, um, hopefully this will be a way for us to ease you in and, you know, keep, tell you like the pluses and strengths of each one. Because I think there's probably enough now that each one can appeal to a different type of person. Yes. Who's, who's, who's interested in this genre? Which is, I mean, which is always so fascinating too, where it's like, the mobiles, the the Gundam shows that are very popular in the West are not very popular in the East, and vice nice. versa. Yeah. And which I always find fascinating because, like, you know, in Japan they love Gundam Seed, and Seed is not a really big, not a big thing here. But mobile, but Gundam Seed was what saved the Gundam franchise because 
during that time, there was a lot of low sales in terms of popularity. Uh, but because of the designs of the mobile suits in Seed, right, Japan, uh, Gundam was saved, boosted scores, you know, everything went up. And so now, like, Gundam was able to last another uh, 20 years. Yeah, I think it's I think it's really funny to see the spectrum of of this franchise, which very much matches the spectrum of I think animated people watch. On one end, you have like really dark, really dark stuff. Like yeah, child soldiers. You have people getting assassinated, people getting mutilated, horrific. You know, people just chewed up in the father of war. And then the opposite end, you have literal tournament arcs, and the guns are toys that people are are, are advancing with. Yes, which is which is always fascinating, right? Because you could go, like you said before, because like one of the big things in like the uh, Mobile Suit Gundam franchise, which was before the start of the One Year War, um, is the gassing of a colony, and then Zeon, uh, the Principality of Zeon, the bad guys, or well, the antagonists in the original Mobile Suit Gundam, taking said colony and dropping it on Earth, blowing up part of uh australia right essentially as a nuclear missile at the same time there's also like even within the same series you also have like really cutesy things that are clearly meant for kids like yeah it's a talking green robot yeah uh which we'll get to when we get to the the uc <laughs> ones uh but first i guess since our introduction we should probably i think like you said let's let's, let's talk about our introduction to Gundam and kind of Give give listeners who are maybe more enfranchised an idea of where we're coming from and our tastes with Gundam. So Phil, why don't you start since you're the bigger one and you're the one that introduced me to it? Yeah, sure. Uh, what's it called? So uh, my friends were the ones who were watching Gundams because, uh, like I said before, when Gundam Wing was introduced to the West, I was in fourth grade. Wow, I was in fourth grade when Gundam was introduced to the West. But I didn't have cable, so I was unable to watch it. So in order for me to watch it, I would have to go to my cousin's house because they had cable and watch it or like find like fake VHS tapes of like older shows. But like that was very far and in between. And so it wasn't until my last year of college when I was very stressed out and trying to like finish projects and stuff that I was like, you know what, I'm going to give this franchise a try. And I started with 0079, and I watched the entire UC in order. So I went from 0079 <laughs> to Zeta to Double Zeta to Shards Counterattack to uh, no, uh, yes, War in the Pocket, Eighth MS Team. I was gonna say, did uh, you do it? Did you do it in chronological? I order? did it. I did do it in chronological <laughs> order. Yes. So <laughs> War in the Pocket. So like it was 0079, then War in the Pocket, which was 0080. Then uh, Stardust Memory, which was 0083. Oh, you skipped, F, you skipped F91. Which one? You skipped, you skipped F91. No, I watched that too. Okay. Wow. Yeah. But, that's like, but that's like at the very end. Because like, I was trying to, because the, the way you see it set up, it goes from Mobile Suit Gundam all the way to Victory Gundam. Uh-huh. And, but I, I watched like the first three episodes of Victory Gundam. I was like, I can't do this. Let's move on. All right. So, well, the, we'll have to move that up <laughs> our queue now. So. Yeah uh what's the call so then from there i started so once i finished all of uc i started to jump around and watch the other timeline so i watched uh gundam wing that everyone watched as a kid and i was not impressed (laughs) but i did love endless waltz i did love endless waltz so that was cool and then i watched uh gundam fighter mobile gundam fighter g gundam 
which yeah, I didn't like at first, but as I got older, it grew it grew on me. <laughs> well, 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 we're never gonna have some fun talking about G Gundam. So. Oh, definitely, definitely. And then I skipped Seed. Oh wait, no, I watched Gundam Seed. I couldn't finish Destiny because it fell apart in the middle of it. And then I watched Double O. And I have to say, like, Double O is probably, like, one of my favorite Gundams. And I would have to say it's the, probably one of the most uh, accessible to start off with. Have you seen, actually, every continuity? Every series? Is there one you haven't seen? I haven't seen uh, Gundam Gundam X. I haven't seen... After, Turner, after, War, after War Gundam X? Yeah, After War Gundam X. I, okay. have to, I haven't seen uh, Turn A Gundam. Okay. And I know that's that's the one that's supposed to be like the end. The right? the end, yeah. I haven't seen yeah, I haven't seen that one, and I haven't okay. seen um, MS Igloo. You seen what you seen like three con three con Gista G? I'm just reading just, like oh, wait, something. No, no, I haven't read. Uh, I haven't seen uh, Recon Gista in G, uh, but or G Greco as it's shortened. Um, but they are doing like an uh trilogy movie like they did with the original Gundam. And I know the first two movies are on YouTube, so I need to watch those. Also, the, for for those who are not aware, um, some of the titles and names for these series can be a little ridiculous. So I mean, you, yeah. You'll have to bear, have to bear, bear <laughs> of us saying these out loud. <laughs> There's one, you know, MS Igloo, Gundam Unicorn, you know. Gundam, oh, narr- Gundam Narrative, which is yeah. one that confused me the most. Like, are they all narratives? Gundam Narrative, yeah, Gundam NT. See, but Narrative was the name of the mobile suit that the guy was Yeah, okay, I, I, all right. You're going to notice right away, me and Phil, there's some differences that makes me care about. That is uh, true. You, you also, because you also collect the model kits, right? I do collect the model kits, yes. Yes, are there, would you like to tell people which ones you have? Which, like, uh, which would you like to brag about? <laughs> oh, yeah, of course. I mean, I, I have very few, to be honest, because, you know, money. But I have the, my first model kit was the, um, what was it? The one one hundred uh, Dead Sight. That was my first one, and I played with it like an actual toy, and it fell apart. Uh, <laughs> I was also a child, so I didn't really understand it. But then uh, when I got back into it, I had gotten the uh, real RG or the real grade Double um, O Quantity from the Double O Gundam Double O movie. Uh, I got the Red Astray Gundam from Gundam Astray. Gundam Seed Astray. Uh, I had the original of the Granddaddy of the RX-79 real grade. Uh, I mean, RX-78. Would you like to explain for the less experienced Gundam listeners what the grade levels mean? Because this is also, for some people who don't get it, they might blow your mind. Oh, yeah, that's true. Too. Okay, so Gunpla or, you know, Gundam plastic models, they come in a variety of different grades. Grades meaning, like, level of difficulty, more or less. So you have non-grades, you have uh, high grades, which is your your standard model, usually coming out about one and one hundred and forty-fourth of a size. Then you have real grade, which is that same size, one out of one hundred and forty-four, but it has an internal skeleton, which makes it a little bit more advanced. Then you have your master grade kits, which come in about one one hundred, um, larger, has an inner frame lot more articulation as well as detailing and then after your master grades is your perfect grade which is a usually comes in about one 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 over 60 yeah one one sixty oh no plus one sixtieth right and that is like the advanced like 
you're gonna spend two to three hundred dollars on this kit, and it will be amazing. And um, I would love to do it, but I don't have that kind of money. It's also, I'm assuming, the difficulty is referring oh, to. Oh yeah, diffi- yeah, it will take assembly. several days. Several days. Days, yeah, days to do wow. a perfect. Yeah. I didn't know, but I'm assuming it's because they're more detailed and they just look better. Yeah, right. more detail um, looks better, especially if you're taking the time to add like the stickers, the decals, okay. um, and you know, hand painting, getting ri- getting rid of the seams, which I just mm. had to do the other day. All right, <laughs> which is the one that's for children? What grade is uh, that? I would say the either high grade or non grade, or yeah. like because I have a couple myself that I just wound it up with, and uh, Phil told me one of them is meant for children. <laughs> so, <laughs> the level. Oh, yeah, and then there's the beginner grade. I forgot about those beginner grades. Maybe, maybe that's the one I have. Also, I you, you've also watched the build, the build series, right? I did watch the build series, yes. I watched the build series, and I watched the uh, diver series. And those, those are actually meant for kids. Those are actually meant for kids, yes. Okay. But, like, if you're a big Gundam fan, you, you get to see the cameos, like the high new Gundam or, like, someone taking the Zazabi and making it in, like, jungle camo and, you know, things okay. like that. Uh, this is the other first me and Phil are, this is why like we'll make a great team because we have different concerns. Like, he, he goes far enough to remember the names of all these suits and models. Uh, I don't, and I don't care to for most of it. So, I'm sure some fans will be upset with me. So, with my introduction to it, um, I only got into more recently uh, after I met Phil in grad school and they kind of got into it. I think actually. My interest, my real interest in it was, like, we were making a comic to pitch for an anthology, and one of them was kind of uh, mech-focused, that's what Phil pitched me, and I was like, all right, well, I'm going to write this. I need to really understand this genre. So mm-hmm. I started watching into it. But to go back, my real introduction into it, um, so I'm a, little, I'm a little bit older than Phil. When Wing premiered, I was in, if you were four, fourth grade, and I think I should have been in eighth grade Probably. at that point. Middle school, about to enter high school. Um, actually, no, it came out, what, 2000, right? 2000. Never mind, I was, in middle, I was in middle school. I also didn't have cable growing up. I didn't get cable until I was 14, so I was really unable to watch a lot of Gundam until I was older. Mm-hmm. Um, I was I was kind of aware of it through, like, all the really cool promos that Toonami would run. Like, that's that the thing. those are the things that maybe are so memorable to me because their promos were really good. Uh, they would have Peter Cullen, the voice of Optimus Prime, do them. Uh, like in the year, you know, the year after Colony, you know, blah blah blah. It's like this is so badass. <laughs> I never, and I never watched them. I wasn't really into anime uh, when I was younger. Uh, it wasn't until my twenties in college when I got into anime. Um, but the one I did, the first introduction that I really did enjoy, started watching, because when I did get cable and after school I come home, started watching Toonami, and I started watching one. To my, to this day, it's still my favorite Gundam series, which was. Mobile Fighter G got them because purely because the English dub was so heavy and over the top, which is the real reason why anybody watches it. Uh, just to hear those like iconic memes now, which yeah. uh, Phil apparently did not know about. So I started telling him about the memes. Yeah, I was I was I was not aware. Yeah, he was not aware of what a cult classic uh, G Gundam is. It's has its charm. It has really ridiculous design Gundams. Like yeah, one Gundam that looks like a windmill because he's from Holland. Yeah, the Mexican Gundam called Tequila Gundam with a Sombrero, and he's got cactus shoulder pads, and we'll get, we'll get more to that when we get to G Gundam. Uh, and then, when I started watching it seriously, 
uh, is actually, I want to say it was like 2011 or 2012 when I was just channel surfing one Friday night because I was unemployed in the middle of a recession. <laughs> I had nothing better to do on Friday night. I was living with my, my mom, so I had no social life to speak of. So mm-hmm. that's, why I'm, that's why on Friday night I'm watching stuff on the sci-fi channel. And oh. I stumbled across, like, this anime. And this is this was big because at this point, sci-fi, it's not being sci, S-C-I hyphen F-I. It became sci-fi, well, wise. Because they, <laughs> they wanted to dump their science fiction shows and appeal to a wider demographic. And they kind of just jettisoned all the shows that I enjoyed about the sci-fi channel, like Stargate and all that. And it's like, wait, there's an anime. This is really unusual for sci-fi. And I started watching it. And it's like, this is kind of cool. I, I, you know, so I didn't really, it was right in the middle of the series. I didn't know what was going on, but I could tell there was actual conflict and tension and the characters weren't getting along. And it really mm-hmm. caught me. And it turns out it was uh, Gundam 00. And I was like, this is actually, and I started watching it every week when I could. And eventually I, I was able to get the rest of the series. It's like, this is actually kind of interesting. And then, and then cut to jump forward a few years ago. When I really start getting the Gundam, uh, Phil, you know, I start at Phil's behest. I go through the UCs, some of them, not all of them. Uh, they're they're a little, some of the animations a little dated. But I start watching the original one. I got through half of Zeta before I stopped. I skipped ahead to Charge Counterattack. Oh, oh, eighth MS Team, and then Iron Blood Orphans is the one that really got me on board. Mm. And I think because of that, I think it's a good point the segue into the first series we're going to tackle on this podcast. That's going to be Mobile Suit Gundam 00, facts of it. Originally aired, uh, so 11th installment of Sunrise's long-running Gundam franchise, directed by Seiji Mitsushima, written by Yosuke, Yosuke Kurudo, character designs by Young Koga, originally aired in Japan... So first air, you know, October 2007, and then 2008, uh, sci-fi. And people might be wondering, why are we starting with this one first? And why are we, you know, there's a lot of different series. What, why do we decide to start with this one? Good question. You know, I think the obvious one with people would say, you got to start with the original. Mobile, you know, Universal Century 79. But I think the, and a lot of people do recommend the original, and I don't fault that. But I think if I were to recommend a Gundam, uh, someone to introduce someone to Gundam today, I wouldn't necessarily start with that one because the animation is a little dated. I think it can be, it can be hard for... It was made in the 70s. It can be a little hard for people to watch. Right. Um, I also think it's harder... Because it started all the tropes in this entire genre, I think it's like, it's like people... When you introduce someone to Star Trek, I would not necessarily tell them to go start with the original. Because by our by our standard, it, it seems cliche, but that's because it started, it created those tropes and genre. So I think you need a little bit of context to appreciate really the original Gundam. So we thought like it's probably best to start with an alt- alternate continuity that you're just free of this baggage. Um, but the other thing, you see Gundam, there's like you know decades. A of lot Gundam. of background. Yeah, and so like. And like, because I wanted to get into, I read this, I wanted to watch Unicorn, because it looked really good, but then Phil told me I had to watch this, this, and this, and that. It's like, fine, I'll put in the effort, but I, I know everyone doesn't want to do that. Yeah. So we, I think it's better to start with an alternate series, alternate continuity, an AU. We thought about, oh, maybe we should do Gundam Wing, that's the one 
most Western people are introduced to. Uh, Gundam Wing has... Me and Phil have very mixed opinions on that on that series, and we don't think that's uh, that's not the best one. And we thought, well, maybe Iron Blooded Orphans, because that's what we actually liked. Yeah. Uh, but Iron Blooded Orphans, I think it's kind of a... In many ways, it's a deconstruction of the franchise. It's, it can be a little harder to appreciate. You can still watch it just fine. But I think to, to better appreciate it, what it's doing, I think you have to be more familiar. Familiar what, with the Gundam series. Yeah, what what they normally do, because they, they take a lot, they subvert or even, like, drop a lot of conventions. Mm. For me, I think Double O is perfect. It's a perfect gateway because, A, it's what's unique is that it's set kind of in... It's set in... They're all set... Most of them are all set on Earth. They're all set on Earth, but this one in particular is set within our timeline, the the Anno Domine. Yeah. That's how you pronounce it? Yeah, it's, it's like our actual calendar year. Yeah. The politics of it were very influenced by actual geopolitics of the time and that kind of late Bush era, early Obama, you know, kind of war on terror stuff. We'll talk more about that when we get to the series proper. Um, I also think it, it exemplifies kind of the best of Gundam and also the worst elements of Gundam. <laughs> like it has, it has all this, I think it's a perfect condensation of Everything that is appealing about Gundam, but also a lot of the pitfalls. It falls out a lot of holes. You know, there's a lot of good anti-war. There's a lot of good philosophy. There's also a lot of, like, that's later on that becomes more plot-driven. It's about upgrades. <laughs> it's about, like, selling toys. I think I think it's a I think it's a good place to start. It's I agree Whether you too. like it or not, I think it's the most it's the most Gundam of the Gundam franchises. It is. Like, honestly, because uh, Gundam Seed was made as a, uh, I think, what was that, 20, 20th anniversary of the original uh, Gundam? I believe so, yeah. 2003. Yeah. yeah, so it was made as, like, uh, it was made as, a uh, like, its own separate thing, but to also pay homage. Because, like, the first episode is essentially, like, the whole entire setup of the original Mobile Suit Gundam. But I personally think that uh, Gundam 00 did a much be- better job in terms of, like, keeping true quote-unquote to the idea of like what the original gundam was trying to do the core the core idea yeah 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 and it also keeps a lot of the conventions a lot of gundam series use there's you know people with psychic psychic abilities there's you know protagonists who has to learn to get better at piloting antagonists you got like a rival sort of antagonist yeah. Sort of. That's we'll get to that later. Uh, <laughs> it gets kind of dropped, sort of. Um, and it also looks good. I think it's very well animated. It it visually, for the most part, looks really good. Mm-hmm. Especially that's really what attracted me the first season. Especially the suit designs were really good. Yes, the suit designs in particular. Like I think that's like I know it's always funny. Like within the fandom, like people like to complain about like the newer Gundam designs. Like though I don't like see it as a show. I love their mobile suit designs, and it's still translated over to Gundam Double O, which is like more sleek rather than the boxy, the boxiness that we tend to see within the UC, mm. making it a lot more uh, humanoid. And then we get to see one of my favorite mobile suit designs, the the MS Flag. Oh yeah, yeah, the flag looks really good. Yeah. Uh, so let's get started on the way. We'll do some some more facts about it, and then the quick premise. Set the stage, and then we'll get into our actual commentary. Um, so, like I said, premiered October 4, 2007, the 11th in the franchise. First one set in the Gregorian calendar. So, this is actually uh, supposed to be 300 years in our future. 
uh, the 24th century. Funny enough, that's also when Star Trek is set, normally. A lot of the series. And there's also... Um, and the, kind of the idea at this point, there's... Uh, politically, the world is divided into three major powers. Yes. Uh, the, yep, union the Union of, union of Solar Energy and Free Nations, which is North and South America, Australia, and Japan. Uh, which I find really funny. This is kind of like, I guess, the main... They're kind of like the main antagonists, sort of. And they have both America and Japan <laughs> in them. Uh, and uh, then you have the uh, European Union, the, the advanced, EU. The Advanced European Union, that's basically the EU today, some, maybe even all of Africa. And then you have the Human Reform League, which is Southern Asia, Eastern Asia, basically Russia, China, India, that kind of block. Yeah. Um, so it's the idea that, like, yeah, all the world, these all the nations have sort of unified to three distinct factions. They use solar energy, like fossil fuels are kind of on the way out, and they're trying to move on their solar energy. But, you know, like with any Gundam series, there's conflict still exists. These three factions vie for a political power. Um, something very, I think, a notable departure from a lot of the other series is that most of this, the setting, they're still mostly on Earth. A lot of the other, the, a lot of the other settings, they humans have colonized. Uh, they either are colonies of space or they colonize the solar system. Right. Uh, that's not really true for Zero Zero. Maybe Instead, have, they have a uh, space elevator. Yeah. So they're. Trying to start that, but you know, each each block is trying to, you know, compete and fight for power. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, this this private military organization just shows up out of nowhere. They're called Celestial Being, and their goal is to eradicate war completely war. and permanently. But they With do it by yeah, they do it by uh, attacking every faction anytime they engage in conflict themselves. Yes. So conflict is bad so we make more conflict in order to end the conflict which is i mean in and of itself is contradictory but well, like once you no, but that's kind of the point of the series they focus very much on that self-contradiction right because like the more you get into it you're like oh wait that's actually pretty smart the way they went about it yeah and i think it's a really good it really does tackle like the themes of like you know a pacifism versus violence versus you know justified violence like i said before this is really good entry gateway because it's very familiar with uh you know west kind of uh geopolitics of the time uh but these there's also the closest to our era so a lot of the countries and nations are very similar to like us you know <laughs> whereas where some of these even though they're set on earth you know they're they're really different enough to be a little more speculative but i think this is fairly close to realism this is gonna be well Actually, now that I think about it, this, this show kind of bounces all over the scale of realism to escapism. Yeah, it does. <laughs> we'll get into it. Um, and I think we'll we'll start a commentary. So before we get into it, I just want to explain how me and Phil will go do this. Uh, it's a method I borrow from Kevin Smith when he does when he does commentary. Is that he and his guests will turn the volume off, so that way their focus their they force them to actually talk and give commentary instead of just watching it. That's something I really hate a lot in a lot of uh, film commentaries when they just, you pay, you know, how much money you, they spend. That way, you listeners can also listen along. FYI, Gundam Double O is available on Hulu. <laughs> uh, Hulu, cut us a check. 
and uh, Crunchyroll, which is owned it's, by Sony. Yeah. yeah. So Sony cut the check. Yeah, Sunrise cut the check too. All right, so let's synchronize. And make and Bandai make a flag mo uh make a flag model kit. <laughs> All right, so let's synchronize. So ready, <laughs> ready, Phil? Yeah. Yeah, we're seeing we're like Gundams, we're like launching together. <laughs> that was that was very corny. All right. Alright, All right. three, two, one, let's hit play. Alright, All right, so episode one Celestial Being. Is that what yes. I think it's the first episode? Yes. Which opens up with a conflict within what looks like a Middle Eastern country. Mm-hmm. Um, during the year of twenty three oh one because now you have these uh, child soldiers fighting, right, for this uh, holy land, and they yeah. cannot submit to the uh, infidels. And yeah, so like I said, very much rooted in the politics of 2007-2008. Right. So now we see, like, mobile suits here that are uh, less advanced. Uh, yeah, so there's something really uh, Gundam likes to do a lot, is that there are, like, the iconic humanoid-looking suits, but also a lot of the like the regular ones or the regular military users, they look closer to like tanks or jeeps of today. Mm. Uh, really kind of funny. It'd be kind of funny to watch this now, now that we're finally getting out of Afghanistan and that whole that whole era is coming to close. Yeah, that whole yeah. conflict is coming and all its implications and all the consequences is finally ending. Mm. So mostly, I'd be curious to see how. How this ages. Uh, I've rewatched this a couple of times. Uh, how many times have you you've rewatched this before, right, Phil? Uh, yeah, I have. I watched it like about three or four times. Okay, yeah. Any recently? I think I, I think I watched it like a couple of years ago. I think the most recent I watched was like two years ago. Yeah, it's about about as me. There we go. There's like this kid with a gun, child soldier. Uh, he see you know the the things he's sh- attacking him are shot down. He sees a mysterious glowing suit in the air right which is like giving off like butterfly angel wings right and it looks like a gundam oh my gosh this is our first our first reveal it's a gundam it's a gundam <laughs> the, the famous thing <laughs> it's here really just funny yeah here um, we go opening theme song opening uh, theme song which is actually pretty good i think it was by uh uh L- LNC, LC, whatever, the guys who did the theme songs of Full Metal Alchemist. Okay, music by the composer Kenji Kawai. Uh, I, I I enjoyed the second, when they switch over to the second half, I enjoy that more. Oh. I was thinking about, like, openings and stuff, and I was like, you know which Mecca show had the best opening theme song? Was Eureka 7. Eureka 7? I love Eureka 7. Yeah, but it's pronou- isn't it pronounced Eureka? No, it's, it's pronounced Eureka. Okay, I haven't watched it, so. Yes, I thought it was Eureka too, but that's how they that's how all the characters pronounce their names, so they all said Eureka Seven. <laughs> but yeah, anyway. they had the they had the best theme song because like their opening theme song was like oh yeah see Ark and Seal was so Eureka Seven's theme song was very like jazz like in its melody, so it was like it was getting you upbeat with these like surfing. Uh, surfing robots. Yeah, that's how that's how someone told it to me. It's like surfing mecha. Yes. So like I thought that was also very cool. And then the 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 suit, the main suit that was in the show, the Nervos was evolving as well. How it happened, I don't really remember. I would need to rewatch Eureka Seven. But like thinking about it, like 
that was a good era of mecha shows. You had Eureka 7, Code Geass, and I think Double O was all out around the same time, more or less. Yeah, I think I think there's a lot to talk about. Because Sunrise also did Code Geass, right? Yes. Yeah, and I, I they kind of both ran into issues in their second season, <laughs> which we'll yeah, get into over here. Which, so. which is, I feel like, for a lot of their shows. Like, they always start off strong, but then their second season tends to, like, fall short, I feel like. Alright, so now we cut to, uh, like, a test demonstration of another Gundam. Yes, the this Mobile Suit Enact. Yeah, the e- European, the EU's Gundam, AEU. Uh, my, probably my, my favorite character in this show, Patrick Colasar. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Patrick the Immortal. Yeah. And then we got our introduction to one of the recurring characters, sort of antagonists. Yes. Uh, what's his name? The American... Grant Baker. Yeah, he's from... You can tell he's from America because he has blonde hair. blonde hair and yeah. blue eyes. That means America. Actually, yeah, they look kind of green. How was your, what was your introduction? How did you pick this, this show up? I'm kind of curious. Uh, you know, so... There, there was a time, you know, where you can allegedly take a cable wire and plug it into the back of a TV, allegedly, <laughs> and you would watch TV. And, like, sometimes the TV will show, the channel will come out clear. And so, like, you know, I just so happened to see something clear on the sci-fi channel, like you did, and it ended up being a show. And I saw the episode, an episode, I don't remember what it was, and I was like, holy crap. They're still making Gundam, and I never remembered. I never saw it again until college, because I I had to remember the name though, like Gundam Double O, Gundam Double O, Gundam Double O. Oh, so you were watching when it actually when it first aired. When it first aired, yeah. Okay, because I watched it years afterwards. Okay, for me, for me, I thought you were like, well, maybe. All right, I feel I I thought you were pulling what Homer did in an episode of The Simpsons with this cable. Oh, with the with the. No, I mean, it was sim- similar, similar, similar. The bootleg cable. Yeah, with the hot box. Yeah. So here yeah. we go. Here's our introduction. This demonstration is interrupted by a mysterious Gundam. And that it, no one knows what it is. It's brand and new it, mobile. And in Gundam tradition, the, protag- the main protagonist Gundam is always the same color scheme as the original. Yes, they, it always has to have that essence of blue, white. Well, the main body has to be white, along with some blue, red, and yellow. Yeah, so yeah. So something you know for newer listeners who want to get into Gundam, you know, there'll be there's lots of homages and continuing motifs that that start with the original that they sort of kept in every franchise, every series moving on with some sometimes with tweaks, sometimes with not tweaks. Right. And then this uh, mobile suit in particular is much more unique. This is the Gundam Exia GN 003. Yeah, 003. Yes. And you know, you know, it's always something like special. It's always something weird when they react to Gundam. The word Gundam, it's it's something unusual. I mean, yes, because uh, it's well within this the series context, right? They've never seen a mobile suit like this before. Mm-hmm. Versus within the UC, right? Because you have um, Operation V, which is the creation of the Gundam gun cannon gun tank. And, like, the, the Gundam was, like, you know, known as the White Devil. And he was pretty much the one that took all the Xeon. So whenever you see something on the Gundam head, you're like, oh, my God, it's a Gundam. And for those who watch the English dub version of this, the protagonist, Tesna FCL, is voiced by the same voice actor of Light from Death Note. Yeah, Tesna FCL. 
Yeah. So I originally watched this sub, and then I uh, I I think I learned some about some of the voice actors who they were, so I switched. Watching it in dub, and then as dedicated as I was, I would switch back and forth during an episode to the better voice actor of a character. <laughs> See, this is also an interesting uh, feature as well, was that the mobile suits, they have, they're using uh, standard weapon. Well, not standard weapons, but they're using bladed weapons. Um, the Enact just released a vibro blade in order to cut through metal, right? Meaning that the blade is uh, moving a lot faster than average but now we see the uh the exia using beam weaponry which i think is not, oh wait no sorry i'm confusing that with iron-blooded orphan never mind yeah, yeah but it does use it does use a big a big giant sword yes because you know he's the hero protagonist they have to use the sword uh it's kind of i don't I think, I think in most in most like speculative works they have swords. Like the protagonist always has to use a sword. Yeah, I mean the. And it's like it's like the big the burly guy uses the axe, right? right. The smart person uses a staff. Right. right. Like Ninja Turtles, Ninja Turtles, right? Ninja Turtles, yeah. The smart yeah, person Ninja uses Turtles. a staff. Leonardo uses the two swords. Yeah. You know. So there we go. Now we got like up to space. We got what they call. Uh, this is more of a Star Trek term, but I like to use it here. They have what the, they call bridge bunnies, for like the cute, attractive female. Technicians operating the bridge. Bridge honeys? I've never heard of that before. Yeah, it's it's like it's more of a Star Trek thing. It's like, cause it's like when you're watching a, a spaceship show, right? You're always gonna see the bridge a lot. So mm-hmm. from from the network's end, of course they're gonna make sure their staff are really attractive looking women. All right. <laughs> I, I guess that makes sense. Yeah, and so yeah, they're kicking off uh, beginning of this operation um i think this was actually a very good for a pilot for a very first episode i think it was actually pretty, pretty good okay. i say that i say that comparison to like the gundam wing i think the first the the first episode was kind of a lame introduction i mean like if you were like, what, what, what happens? Yeah, you had your first you had your, your hero gundam shows up what happens he gets shot down crashes to earth he didn't get shot down and crashed. He uh he had to like do re-entry into the atmosphere. It was it was still not very impressive. <laughs> I was not impressed. Yeah, I mean, but the, you got to think about the the laugh he did at the end. Yeah, that's whatever. that's what sold it. All right, whatever. We'll see. Uh, but I thought this is a, you know, when you're doing an opening, right? You want to start with some intrigue. I think this has a really good good, good job setting up intrigue because these these mysterious these mysterious. You know, Gundams are showing up, and they can just overpower everyone trying to stop them. Like, what's going on? Right, everyone's uh, mobile suit because everyone's like, "Oh, I have the best mobile suit. I have the best mobile suit." And this, then this mobile suit comes and wrecks everyone's shit. Yeah, and they're, and they're like, there's also a lot of political intrigue, which is what I enjoy with the show. They're like, they don't know, is it from this faction, this faction? And it's like, no, right. they have their own agenda. Which, which has to like, which leads to pointing fingers. But here now uh, we get to see the the next Gundam double O was a GN double O four Kyrios. Um, oh yeah. Well, I mean, right now we're seeing these two Chinese characters. Talking. I mean, well, yes, but prior to that uh, yeah. was the was the Kyrios uh, Gundam Kyrios, which is a transforming Gundam. So it's able to switch from like a plane mode to its humanoid form. Which is uh, reminiscent of the and like looking at it now too, is very uh, similar to the Wave Rider 
uh, form in for the Zeta Gundam. Mm-hmm. Also, uh, very difficult to animate, as I understand. Oh yeah, of course, especially with the, the transforming uh, aspect of it. Yeah, because like something, something I like to bring this up comparison to like say Michael Bay's Transformers is that they're just kind of like giant masses of metal that turn into, you know, ours and lives. Like they talking about Gundam, they put a lot of time into making sure like the mechanics and the intricacies of their movement makes sense. Right. So when, when you see the transform, they have to make sure that like it makes sense how they transform. You know, which is very fascinating because I did watch uh, Netflix, the toys that made us and like how uh, Power Rangers in particular, like the because they talk with the, the guy who designed like the Megazords and like the intricacies that goes into like creating this robot to fuse with these other robots to create a bigger robot. And then, like, how you have a big robot and a big robot and fuse those together, together to make an even bigger robot. And it's just a lot of a lot of thought process that goes into it. And they just make it look so easy. I think it, well, I think it makes sense because they're selling toys, so they have to kind of match the toys as much as they can. Uh, here we have an introduction to another third member of the Gundam crew, Wakod Stratos, who I think is my favorite of the four characters, of the four Gundam pilots. Hmm. Why would, why would he be your favorite? Uh, I mean, I guess... Um, I mean, we'll talk more as the series goes on, but I think he has some like He's the most likable personality <laughs> of, of of them all. Because, like, your main character is more or less a blank, right? Yeah. Yeah, Tierra, who's a dick. And he grows out of it. He's still real. He's just such an asshole. It takes yeah. such a long time. And then Hallelujah, they don't really... He, they, don't, they don't really know what to do with him as the series goes on. You know, I mean, he's I, I like him. You know, well, his arc has some real issues. Uh, is the second season we get to that? Oh, and how? Uh, he also, I think he has. He also has the coolest name, Lock on Stratus. Oh yeah, another thing. Spoiler alert, uh, people listening to this, like all the Gundam Meisters' names aren't their real names except for Terraria and Hallelujah. Yeah, he's just, he actually is named Hallelujah. Yes. Which we'll get into, like, the some of the ridiculousness of these other names later on. Um, so an interesting thing I read, uh, that apparently when they were planning, the, when they were developing this show, mm-hmm. is that originally the four Gundam pilots were supposed to have a chest theme. Supposed to have a chest theme? A chest theme. Oh, a chest theme. What do you mean, like, a chest theme? Uh, and that they were supposed to be, like, named after chest pieces, and oh, more far gotcha. yeah, more more analogous to it. But they still oh. kind of and their roles were kind of they kept kind of their roles to me. It's a little more broad, but they kind of reflect chess pieces like Exia, who's the, like the, the frontline sword, supposed to be like the pawn. The pawn. He just like kind of goes forward. Lock on Stratos, who shoots, who attacks him a distance, supposed to be like the bishop. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, uh, Kyrios, who like is super fast and flies over things and bomb things. It's like the knight that he's able to jump over your enemy pieces and it's mm. from formation. And Tierra is like the big the big cannon. Uh but really but really slow is like the rook or the queen. Okay. Yeah. And also and uh and it, I think it's just uh I think it's kind of uh it was an interesting thing to help me think about like what their four roles are in the show. Uh not not only just in terms of battle, but also it's just like nothing gets super it's the weeds about that nerdiness of that. But also it's a show that, like, these are four different, they have four distinct roles, 
right? They're designed for that, and they're both really good at those four roles, but then the weakness is, once they're forced out of that, they kind of start <laughs> to fall apart. Yeah. As we see, as we, we'll see later on, um, when the enemy, when the tags start to adjust to them. But, like, in the beginning, they're pretty much unstoppable. Yes, because then, like, because now they're dealing with a threat of unknown origin, unknown power, output, and everything, and... And it's like you know these these nations they need to go ahead and advance and develop and catch up because not because you know how it is with war people you know like hey his gun is bigger we need to make our guns bigger and faster <laughs> war people yes, is that your war people very very precise here you go now we're looking at kind of the Russian faction human forming they're basically Russia. <laughs> I always thought they were more yeah. like no, like, like I, I mean it was like like a fusion of Russia and China. I call them Russian because the main characters we focus on them are of Russian are Russians. They have Russian names, you know. Yes, but like cut to like the talking. It's like well, the same thing with like the Union, which is supposed to be North and South, but you don't really see like South American characters. They're mostly like you know American. They have American Mar- names and whatnot. Yeah. And Japan. That's Japan. <laughs> Sorry, that's Japan. Uh, uh, so here we go. This is the introduction now of the final gun pilot, uh, Tierra Arde. He's got the big, he's like the big, beefiest one with the giant guns. The big uh, gun. I always thought it was really funny. Yeah, which is really funny in contrast to his character design. He's the most feminine looking one. And he wears like the, he wears like the big sweater that he even like wears it like a, like a Yale yuppie. <laughs> like ties it around his neck. Oh, I, I didn't even think about that. Really? You not? You not? You, you just not? You just not know that image of like the yuppie wears like the, the fleece sweater around like Carlson in yes. yes, yes, I know. No, like I just never thought about that because I didn't really care much about the humans. I was like, give me more robots. Give me the robots. All right. Oh my god. Uh, all right, listeners, you see, you see already the, our divide in them. Just like, it's just like, you know, it's always so fascinating to see, again, like the idea of like robots designed this way and how they have to think about their, uh, cap- not only their capabilities, how, but how they're going to function within 0G versus 1G, you know, things like that. Oh, yeah, this is a, kind of a holdover from the original series that the lasers and the explosions are all pink. They're, like, really brightly colored, like, lasers and explosions, pink and green. Pink and green, because it's for the kids. I mean, it does look good, in my opinion. Especially when you, especially in um, uh, Mobile City Origin, which is, like, my introduction to UC, the first one I started. And, like, it just looks so good with the animation with all the pink lasers and explosions. Yeah, yeah that... That opening scene with Char was fantastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, there we go. So a little bit of like more of a, a downbeat in terms of like the pacing. Now, like they've done their attacks. Now they're they're making their their statement, their public statement, and like everyone's knowing what Celestial being, who they are, and what they're about. Right, which Just, is funny because everyone was like, "Oh my God, this guy, he he's dead. How is he doing this recording?" Yeah, this Aloya Shenberg, I think it's the guy's name, right? Yes. Yeah. Um, this was, I knew I thought was a little schlocky, in my opinion. This whole like Aloya Shenberg guy <laughs> of like being the founder of Celestial Being and 
But he doesn't really appear in the series himself. No, he's, he's there as a figurehead. Yeah, but like, you know, it's just like not not the. I mean, we'll go. More, well, I think we'll talk about it more when we get when we get further down the series. But this is this is like a. You know, it's like I would I would feel like they'd be more dramatic if like your talking figurehead is someone that's actually a part of the organization that viewers know. See, I think what it is though with like Ilya uh, Schomburg is supposed to be like similar to uh 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 what's his name Zion um crap what's his name Zai the head the, the head I, I I don't know I. He, I really Zeon can't keep track of all the characters. Zeon, no, uh, Zeon Daiku. There we go. Oh, okay. Yes, the like the the original the the guy. Okay. Um, oh, the like hippie, the hippie founder dude. Yes, Shar's uh, Shar's father. Spoiler alert. Um, and Zyla's father. But yeah, I don't know who Zyla is. But yes, the guy who you know uh, was preaching and preaching the philosophy about space noise and everything, and you know. Souls weighed down by gravity till he was assassinated by the zombie family and co-opted his name in order to uh, essentially profit from warmongering. All right, that makes a little more sense. Oh, look here, it's, here are two figures that we ignore for most of the series until later: Ribbons yeah. and uh, that and his dude and his boss. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, sure. You know, they're just don't pay attention to those two right now. Yes, like they're they're just there to be there. Yeah. So well, I do, I do, I do like this introduction. Is that you? We don't really focus too much on the main characters yet. You just see people's reactions to them showing up. Yeah. I think it's a really cool way to introduce your main protagonist in the story. I do too, because like now it's like it's setting up the stakes of like how big it's going to affect the world, especially a world that's like teeter, always teetering on the edge of war amongst itself. Mm-hmm. So now you have this fourth party, right, coming in to like, yo. You can fight you and you, but I'm gonna beat the shit out of both of you. Yep. So and that's the end of our episode. We're in the the end credits. I do like this song. This is I think is the best end credit song of the series. Uh, it's got like uh, it's got like a nice it's got like a cool rock, you know, thing going on. Yeah, it's a lot better than second season. I really hate the second season one. It's got like I a mean, weird angelic chorus thing. I don't like I don't like any. Uh, anime endings, except for the ending for Cowboy Bebop. And I mean, in general, most of them are just not... They're not in tune with Western tastes. And you know? Samurai Shampoo. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, well, they're good because they are tuned to, like, jazz and hip-hop. Yeah. Most of the time, they're more J-rock, J-pop. Which, I mean, it's the same thing with the opening, but the opening, like, wants to get you, like... I think the the funniest meme I've ever seen is like anime openings versus anime endings, and like anime opening was like a dog with a samurai sword in its mouth, and like a bunch of white guys cheering the dog on, and then the and then it said anime ending was like the dog sitting by the window crying and it's raining. <laughs> <laughs> that's so true. That's so true. The the one that's the most jarring is Gundam Wing. Is that the the ending? Credits that don't make any sense. Right. Because the beginning is like all this, all you see them all doing war stuff. All the you see the pilots and mechs doing their thing. Then it just focuses on the the main female character just going on a safari and hanging with all these animals. Yeah. Uh, and so like that's what I always think of now all the time when I think of animes and openings. But yes, the, the it's, the it's really funny you mentioned that when I started watching um uh 
a woman named Fumiko Mine, the Lupin series. Oh, that's, that's exactly how what you described for the ending series is exactly what they do in that. <laughs> She's just standing by the window looking sad. It's autoplex, so let's let's pause. Let's take a pause on the second episode. Okay. Then we get plus We'll discuss. We'll do a little bit of after reaction to after episode intermission talk. So I think it's a very good, very good opening, very good opening episode overall. It really pulls you in. It really draws you in. Yes, I I have to agree with that as well. So like just because of like it's it's a very nice setup. So you know what's going on with your stakes, right? You have this organization, celestial being. You know what their, you know what their motive is. You know what they're going to do. If you go against their wishes, they're gonna come and beat you up. So now it's up to the world. So it's like the focus isn't really on these characters. It's more focused on the world that they live in and how that world is going to react to their new presence. I think you just sum up what I think is the biggest strength of this series is that it's the world building. It's it's really strong. It's the most intriguing. Because you really do see the impact their actions have on not just the world, but also the characters who live in that world. Mm-hmm. From from top, from like the very personal level to like the biggest macro level. Um, also, I like that the you don't know where the characters are standing. You don't. They're not. They're not typically heroic like we've seen so far. You know, all we see them do, all we, we've really seen them is blow up a bunch of stuff. All right, which is. Uh... I think one of my favorite things about Gundam in itself, in of itself, like throughout the whole series, is that like there are no heroes per se. Like everything is like one big gray area, right? Like the there, there are definitely are villains. There are definitely. I mean, like, yeah, there are definitely badness. villains, right? Yeah. But like, I mean, but that's all like within perspective, right? I mean, within the UC, of course, the the zombies, like they're they're definitely bad guys. Like especially Gearing, like they're he's a very bad man. Um, like, like but, Char, like the most iconic antagonist. Char, see, like Char, I don't think of Char as like a villain. He's an antagonist, but I don't think of him as a villain. Yeah, that's what I said. I said, I said very specifically, antagonist, not villain. Oh, okay, okay. I didn't, I didn't quite guess that. But yes, yes, he's a, he's an, an antagonist. Same thing within um, what's that show? G Gundam, your favorite show, right? Yeah. You have like it, it goes back and forth. Like, <laughs> this character will always be Domo. But then, like, you have, like, antagonists, and then, like, oh, snap, these antagonists become allies. And then, like, you know, we have to defeat the true antagonist, my brother, oh, Coach. yeah, yeah, the, the American, Chinese, and Russian fighters. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yep. Um, and, yeah, you see, this you're, you're going to see a lot of, that's, I think it's something each of the series have done. Because, again, it's about war, right? And war is very rarely clean cut. You know, it's it's often it's really not black. It's not as black and white as people like to think. I think the closest against that is G Gundam, but that's that's because it's in a different genre. Entirely. Yeah, that's, yeah that's, that's that's like a tournament fighter. Yeah. Well, um, yeah, it's a good introduction to these four characters. We don't really learn a lot about them in the first episode. No, we don't. Yeah, it's really is about the conflict, understanding the world and the conflicts in them. Right. So yeah. I think with this uh, next episode, right, we are going to see the world try and use the Gundams to their own purpose. Yep. I believe. And I think there's a little more focus on the characters themselves. Hence titled Gundam Meisters. Right. So let's synchronize. So I'm going to start again because uh, it, it auto played a little bit. So 
So for listeners, you ready to synchronize Long Wolf? So let's start. Three, two, one. Episode two, playing now. All right. So as always, they keep this up for a while. I in the beginning that they just summarize kind of the general state of the world, which is something that's a holdover from the original series. I think every episode they just they had that stock beginning. Yeah, because you know, like you missed last week, or maybe you're just diving in at a certain point. You're not really understanding what's happening, so you you gotta you gotta learn. Yeah, this one I think it does. The beginning does go into a little more detail about the geopolitics of the setting. Because now yeah. it's like the first episode, you gotta like really hit the ball rolling with a lot of action and whatnot. The second one is now it's talking about these three space elevators. They need to create solar power energy, and that's uh, resulted in these the three geopolitical factions forming. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this is also the introduction of um, that that Middle Eastern country, right? Yes. The, that character. Uh, uh, what's it called? Is it? Yeah, I think so. Uh, I forgot the I forgot the woman's name. She's the prince. Hey, look at those flags. Let's go. Yeah, that should tell you right there that the the uh, the union, the free energy union, which is the one that's based in America, their their mobile suits are called flags. Yes, they're called flags. And then the uh, the uh, AEU, their mobile suits. Well, their new ones now. Uh, the Enact. And then the uh, Human Reform League. Uh, I think they're. I forget. What are their mobile suits called? I don't know. They have the ugliest ones. I didn't care. Yeah, like, but like they're efficient. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're like really boxy and whatnot. They're one like the, the Russia Chinese, the Russia China based one. Yes. So here we go. That's our opening. Here we go back to like. I should tell you right there. This is a Gundam, and then the energy particles look like rose petals. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's poetic. Yeah, there's a lot of that like poetic imagery, and and. In all the series, but I think this one especially. <laughs> <laughs> no, Iron Blooded Orphans gets. gets Iron Blooded Orphan gets very cool when I got through. Very, yeah, you know they're what Iron Flowers or what they're called. Iron Flowers, yeah. Yeah, which makes no sense, but it sounds cool. Uh, okay, now they're called Terrans. That's that's what the the Human Reform Human Reform League mobile suits are called. They're called Terrans. I can't remember the names. Yeah, and this is where this episode, yeah, I think a lot more of the a lot more of the secondary cast is introduced. Yeah. Um, and we'll get uh, yeah, this opening, you know, we'll probably I don't know, we'll figure out we'll have to figure out something to talk about every time we go through these openings. openings. I mean, like, there's always something new to discover. Like, look, there is uh, sir, the Daniel what the Gundam's uh, sur- sur- survey? No, that's that's the newer one. Crap, what's, uh, the, what's this one? I don't know. Don't. If you're going to name the models, I'm not going to know them. It's more than likely than not. <laughs> but, I mean, you know the, the other Gundam's name, right? Like, you know the Exia. Well, I know, yeah, the, I know the big famous ones. Yeah, Kyrios. These names are also memorable. Right? I don't know what they mean, you know, other than Virtue. Uh, and, uh, That's what it was called, Gundam Virtue, before it became the Sarvi. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I I looked them up once the, the, the origin of all these names. A lot of them draw from uh, biblical biblical <laughs> so, stuff. Because yeah. you know the the Japanese culture they view they view you know Christianity mythology with like the same fascination as we view like voodoo, right? Yeah. They they don't really understand the spiritual implications. They just see hey look it looks kind of cool. These these words sound cool. We'll just use them. 
I wonder if that's like a, a thing in the East, like in general, depending on what Yeah, they, yeah, you know, they... Because Christianity much, is such a Western idea. Yeah, yeah, as much as like there's a lot of people talking about cultural appropriation on the West and what we take, we take their stuff, we take like the the the, the yin yang and make it the tattoos to look cool. Make it tattoo to look cool. They, they do kind of the same to us, you know. Yeah. But they, you know, don't jump down each other's throats or anything. Maybe who knows? I, I you're probably right, but uh, we'll see. Who knows? I don't know. But like he's always, he's always think, thinking about the uh, what's it called? Uh, the thing when Jeremy Lin used to have dreadlocks, and I forgot which bas- some basketball player said something about like, yo, he needs to cut those off. He was like, okay, I'll cut off my dreads when you get rid of the Chinese tattoos you have on your arm. I was like, <laughs> yeah, there you go. All right, so here we go. Uh, all the various political factions, uh, and specifically the people in charge. None of the characters we've seen so far, all the people at the top are talking about what, right. what's going on and what to do with Celestial Being. Which is always funny, because like, you always have like these talking heads, like, oh my gosh, what are we going to do? Because these are clearly the people up top, but looking at their character design, there's like nothing out of the ordinary to make them stand out, so they're going to be forgotten. Yeah, yeah, like the European ones look the same as the Russian characters, look the same as the the, the American yeah, right. characters. Yeah. But I, I always think of that just as more of an anime thing in general. I mean, well, yes, but also in terms of like this design standing out too, because like there's nothing to like distinguish them, kind of like how you have uh, Boris, right? Boris stands out. Oh, I think that's more of a government official thing. They all look the same at the end, don't they? <laughs> they all dress the same. They all have. Right. Like, it's really their offices that really stand out more of anything. Right, and then you have this uh, president who looks like he's a mixture of uh, Clinton and uh, Bush. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah that's uh, causing David and Bush. Here we go, a little, little political commentary talking about why the, the Union of Free Energy, you talk about why they intervene in other countries, is to guarantee the safety, safety. and the prosperity of citizens. Yeah. And that's why... That's why they're not the same as Celestial being, right? <laughs> you know, the American base. I guess it's American and Japan base, but there's no Japanese characters in this one right now. Right. They're, 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 you know, get away, Scott. Which is uh, always always uh, fascinating. Like, oh, yeah, these guys over here, they're doing the same thing that we did, but we're doing it for the right reasons. So their reasons yeah. are wrong. Yeah. Uh, I, always, I always enjoy Japanese depictions of American and Americans in anime. My favorite has to be uh, Yu-Gi-Oh! and Bandit Key. <laughs> Bandit Key, yeah. Like, so American. Yeah. I actually, I went as him for Halloween once. No, I did not. Did you yeah, I got, I, got, I, got, I got, I didn't dye my hair, but I got the, a flag bandana. I bought, huh. I bought a blue vest. Uh, huh. I got, like, a cross on a chain. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. That's Most fun. people didn't get they didn't get who I was. They don't watch Yu-Gi-Oh. So when someone asks, who, it's like, who are you supposed to be? Oh, I'm an American. Oh, I would wear sunglasses, too, even indoors or when, when it was dark. Ugh. Bandicoot. Yep. So anyway. American. And if people are wondering, why are we talking about Gundam right now? It's a lot of summary right now. <laughs> a lot of people are literally watching video recordings of the past episodes. Of the past so. episodes. Yeah, trying to, trying to figure out, like, what are these Gundams? Like, bro, I just... I just want to see some more fighting. Uh, so, I mean, so specifically, they're talking about they're breaking down the the energy particle that powers the Gundams. Yes, the, uh, the GN particles. Yeah, which is basically the same particle as in the original one, Minansky particle. Are we state? They just changed um, the name. 
this is something we should actually talk about. So they put a lot of thought, because in real life, like, why would you make a humanoid walking suit? It's completely impractical for real combat, right? Right. Uh, and something it can see in the setting is that they developed this, in the original one, uh, they developed this special type of, uh, this, en- this, like, new energy source, and they make these particles that, uh, you know, they're really energy efficient, but they disrupt, like, normal sensors. Normal uh, communication. Yeah, yeah. So what they have to do, then, is they develop, uh, and that makes it, you know, like, laser-guided missiles. It's like conventional weaponry and conventional battleships aren't as effective. So they develop, like, new suits that can uh, compensate for that. Usually, I think, the idea is that the, 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 these humanoid suits, they get in close, and they can, you know, don't have to, you like, shoot missiles from, like, a million miles away. Right, so, like, that's what I always enjoyed, like, because uh, Origin explores explores it when they were building the mobile suits, because the mobile suits were developed from mobile workers, right? And then there's also a manga called uh, Mobile Suit Developers, which talks about, like, the Zizonic in its early early years developing the, verse, the first Zaku and how they how they went about doing that, too. Yeah, and it's really kind of important, because remember the context, when it first premiered, a lot of the more robot mecha animate, they were just, how is it powered? Uh, You know. Nuclear. Yeah, nuclear photonic energy. It doesn't work anyway, (laughs) you know, the way, because the focus wasn't on the science or the realism. It was about action and the characters and the comedy, right? Right. Perfect example of, like, a deliberate throwback to that is Gurren Lagann. It's just, you know, they're powered by by a character's sheer willpower. Sheer willpower. <clears throat> and they and they do ridiculous things up to and including making mechs the size of galaxies. Uh, yeah. yes, and start throwing galaxies at each other. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Very, and you know, it's still good. It's good. It has its own type of feel, you know. But it's a perfect way of like Gundam and Gurren are two good anchor points for the structure of this genre. <laughs> or the spectrum of realism at the genre. Right. Because, oh yeah, because, I mean, technically, I guess Gurren Lagann is, is more of a super robot show. It's super, it's like, it's like, super, super, super robot show. Yeah. You know, it's got started, when that whole genre stuff started with, like, Major Z and, and all those things. Right. Because, like, I mean, uh, Gundam, one of Gundam's rival, right? Because you're talking about, like, the Gundam Kyrios, the one that transforms into a plane. Or the flags, which also transforms into a plane, or the enact, which also transforms into a plane. Um, you have the, I want to say, original plane uh, mecha show, but like the one that really like popularized it, which would be Robotech, or mm, in, yeah. in the East, it's called uh, Maycross. Uh-huh. They're and, kind of, uh, they're kind of, I think, iconically, is when they shoot missiles, they look super pretty. Because yeah. they all they, they, they don't fly straight lines like they should. They just it's, like it's go everywhere. Smoke trails. Yeah. yeah, and it doesn't make any sense when it looks super cool. Yeah, I, man. Like when I had gotten the the game for the GameCube, uh, Robotech Battle Cry, I I loved that game. Um, I think another important distinction with like the real robot genre versus the super robot genre. That's closer to like say like a superhero type of thing that you have like one person. In a robot just like doing everything themselves because they're mm-hmm. so super powered. This one, like the mechs and mobile suits, are used with like actual military tactics, actual military formations, and support. 
They're like right. part of a greater war machine. Yes, which is uh, always interesting too because, like, of course, with the original Gundam, right, you have just the one Gundam, the RX-78, um, that was pretty much doing a lot of the heavy lifting. I mean, you had the, the gun cannon and the gun tank doing its thing too, but it was really the Gundam that was doing a lot of the heavy lifting. And it wasn't until later on, later series, right, we get multiple Gundams. Uh, within Zeta Gundam, you have the Zeta Gundam, you have the Gundam Mark II, and then you have the Hayuku Shiki, which is yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Gundam adjacent. There's like an emphasis on like mass production, right? Yes. Like these are just one of many, whereas like a super robot, like I, guess, like I said, it's more like a superhero. Like this yes. is like a special, significant type of uh, character almost. Right, like, that's kind uh, of where, yeah, exactly. Right, that's a good example. And then it's kind of what the interesting, you know, the conflict, intention, and premise of a celestial being is like. Now these like these four super special guns are coming and wrecking everyone's shit, <laughs> which they can't deal with it. And then it sort of, and then it starts to kind of fall apart in season two, and they come arguably become more super robot-ish. Yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll get to that when we get to season two. I mean, because like they had to, they had to upgrade. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, because the the world the the world was able to fight back, right? Yeah, Cause you I had mean, evil evil uh machinin, mach, machinations happening in the background. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, well, I'm sure our listeners gonna, you're, you're gonna be hearing a lot of us say that season was like just wait till we get season two, <laughs> you know, false <laughs> part. But here, um, the conflict for this one, there's like some kind of ethnic conflict going on, going on. Sri Lanka. Yeah. In Sri Lanka, and they're they're it's popping up again, and they're doing their armed intervention. We're gonna stop conflict using conflict. Yep. Uh, and this is where I think you really this, at this point this this and like the next episode they really start to examine the like strange contradictions and and arguably hypocrisies. Right. Like like literally in the previous episode, this character we're watching right now, Graham Maker says. Your existence is a contradiction. <laughs> uh, which is always funny because um, just thinking about like this whole thing, and it's always nice to have like side stories to go along to like accompany it because like within Double O, right, there is a manga called Obusu um, Gundam Double O F, which uh, talks about the other side of celestial being, which focuses on a convict who pilots the prototypes for the four main Gundams we see in the show. In particular, his favorite one is the prototype of Exia, which is called the Estrella. Is it is it considered in, can, in, in continuity, canon? Yeah. Uh, yes. All right, so here we go. There's a conflict. There's mobile suits being blown up. Uh, not too dissimilar from what we saw in the very opening of the first episode. Mm-hmm. You know, it looks like, it looks like pointless war. Pointless war. War is bad, right? Um, <laughs> see, that's a that's a message you're gonna hear in a lot of these Gundam series. War is bad. War is bad. Yeah. I mean, that's that's the gist of it. Yeah. Uh, but it does look cool. <laughs> it uh, does. Yeah, we bring that up because we me and Phil we met. Uh, we met this. We were at the we were Comic Con 2019, the last Comic Con. Uh, See, see, how, see what I did for a traumatic effect? <laughs> uh, and we, we ran into, like, uh, one of those Gundam super fanboys who did not like Iron Blood Orphans. 
because it just wasn't enough action or whatever. Like, what? Like, a man gets crushed in his suit, like, gets pulverized, like... Yeah, yeah. yeah that's just like, there's like, you know, factions in the fandom, you know, there are some who really watch it for the thematic depth and uh, the characters in conflict. And there are some who just want to buy to- buy model kits and just see stuff blow up. Why can't we just have both? Why can't it be both? I mean, ideally you would have both, but you know, like any like any fandoms, there there are some who kind of miss the point. Right. And then here we see something. The first little hiccup with our characters here, our main character starts saying the phrase "I am a Gundam." I am a Gundam. And if that sounds it. really nonsensical to you, listeners, don't worry. All the other characters feel the same. <laughs> yep. and this uh, is like the first the first indication of like division and disarray we see is that you know he goes off on his own all the other characters are like we you know kind of reacting uh, it's kind of the first inkling that they're not this well-oiled machine we've been led to believe from the first episode right because I mean they all have their own individualities of course Cessna has more than the average since he was that child soldier we saw in the beginning of the first episode. Yeah, they all have their own baggage and angst and stuff. It's a, kind of a holdover from uh, Gundam Wing, which I, a lot of people like to make that comparison, mm. that the series is very similar to Gundam Wing, and it's kind of its premise, and the way, the, just the way it's structured. You really? Just, I've, I've never heard that. Well, it's like, you know, you have this outside force coming in, disrupting the current geopolitical system, yeah, four right. pilots instead of five. You know, mm-hmm. um, they each they each have their own problems and they have, they don't get along. You know. True. Uh, I mean, it, see, it, but it, the thing of the thing about it though is there's only two of them. It's just Wu Fei and Hero that don't want to work with people. Wu Fei in particular because he's an idiot. <laughs> he's a misogynistic idiot. Yep. That's uh. Yep. And but you know you also have the the Maria police craft and then you have a similar character who's like the peace oriented female character yeah so yeah i've I've, I've read it there's like a lot of similarities between this and gundam wing um i would argue this is better in most respects yeah i mean well yes because uh like the characters are given way more agency than i feel like and at the same time it's not trying to preach that idea of total pacifism is right Mm-hmm. I guess. Uh, also, they also they, like, the big. I think the big similarity is that like, these are like four or five special Gundams, and they're just kind yeah. of owning everyone, which is like the big comparison to Wing. Mm. And they're each. They're also each. They're each designed with their own specialty. True. Which is funny because the Gundams and Gundam Wings, their design were like still within that same vein of uh, G Gundam. Yeah, yeah, they were a little more stylized because you had one which just has a laser scythe. It's like that's, I'm sure that's real useful in combat, yeah. just fighting with a scythe. You know? laser, yeah, you have a beam scythe. Yeah, uh, one shoots a dragon head type of thing. Yeah, Shenlong. Um, then you have heavy arms, which can yeah. move like a. a that's what, a that fitness. was my first. That was my personal favorite. Oh, heavy arms. Yes. I was always, I was always a fan of Sand Rock. Because I always thought, like, burning Schultzels were cool. And here, but here we go. Like, they've, they've wrecked everyone before Gundam Meisters. Uh, the, they're all wondering what's what's wrong with him. 
Because, mm. again, we should probably mention this for anyone who hasn't known. He is the kid from the very beginning that we saw. Yes, who looked up at the uh, Gundam that saved him, quote-unquote. Yeah, which we'll learn more about later on. But, yeah, we got this, you know, this very blank slate code. He's a very code character. He, I think it's the other comparison to Wing. People like to compare him to a hero, UA. Uh, uh, I like this character more than Hero Yui, to be honest. I, I do too. Uh, but Hero Yui has a has the legendary line of like, "Don't talk to me, or I'll kill you," and it walks away very dramatically, leaving the leaving uh, Relina's heart a flutter. Yeah, that doesn't quite. And all we got we got these little two these little two characters. We'll fall. We'll see more of later on. Little two regular characters. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't remember their names for the life of me. Uh, uh crap. Uh, uh, I'll just look this up right now. We'll get more focused later on. One is um, one is like Saji. Yes, Saji Crossroads. Saji Crossroads. That is a very badass name. Yeah, it's a badass name for a really kind of loser character. Yeah, Saji Crossroads and his girlfriend. Uh. Luis? No. Is it Luis? Yes, Luis. Luis Halvey. Yes. Yeah. And people will wonder where, you know, this is something, they get a lot of focus in the early season as just like two regular civilians. Uh, they get a lot bigger focus in season two. Uh, They're also, as I understand, not very well liked <laughs> by the fandom. No. no. I mean, well, Luis, I think, is a little bit more so. Because, like, Saji is just an idiot going through things, but Luis. Um, what happens to her later on, like, she was justified in her anger, and, like, the path that she's taken, like, was, like, was reasonable. Yeah, we'll talk more about them, because they get, they get, uh, I think the next episode, the fourth episode, they get a a spotlight. But here we go, this is a big important part, uh, Graham Aker finally shows up, and, you know, challenges Setsuna, and sets up their, their... Conflict and who will later become a recurring rival at the very end of the episode. And the episode just ends right there. Man, I really like the flag. <laughs> like it's very funny because I always thought the flag was like stupid, but then like as I again like as I rewatched it over and over again, I'm like, yo, the flag is cool. And then it so, goes from the flag to the brave, and then from the brave to the. Um, Sasanowo. Well, it's it's like it's like really because it's like really it's not very blocky like most of the other suits, right? It's like it's like very kind of slender looking. Yeah. Uh, which is something I read that apparently a lot of the Gundams get redesigned. A lot of the guns, all the, all the mechs get redesigned in season two, and they said Sunrise. Apparently they got it's because they requested like please make it easier for us to animate. <laughs> <laughs> and that's also part of the reason I don't like season two as much because they literally just look. They look more like regular gun that they look less. They lose a lot of the unique visual design. I mean, they were they were too skinny. Uh, yeah, that's, that's why I liked it. That's why I thought it was cool. But I guess I guess it was too hard to animate. They had a budget cut or something. Well, that's that's thumbs thumbs the the breaks when uh, doing animation. Yep. So uh, thoughts on season two? Uh, you mean know, episode I, two. Episode two, episode two, right back. Uh, I think it's you know decent. It does, it does introduce. You get to see more of the characters and that. 
things are a little more complicated than they first appear. Oh well, naturally. Um, it's it's a lot of setup, but I also understand that the um, that I mean the setup is necessary in order to play along with the larger themes. Um, yeah, and like you get the you know it's like uh, it's like it's like arguably a table what they call a table setting episode that's setting up for something later on but you know there's enough happens into it again it's a lot more like introducing examining their impact on the world and the character the other all the other characters are figuring out what to do but again you're just like a little bit of intrigue because you see set in the, in the has this crazy line i am a gundam <laughs> and, and Cessna, you are a gundam we're here to see it yep and uh, and they do what they always do it ends on a cliffhanger fight that makes you want to come back for the next episode <laughs> alright so that was our first two episodes and our first episode of Mobile Suit Podcast uh, again if anyone wants to see us a better name we're open to alternative suggestions <laughs> yeah that's uh, our first our first go around you know, of Gundam Double O, and we'll see how it unfolds from there. Any more, any other final thoughts, Phil, before we do our, our sign up before we wrap things up? Uh, not really, no, not really. I think like we we we've hit the nail on hit the nail on the head within these two episodes, getting more of an understanding of like the world and how it's working and how disruptive this uh this fourth party right celestial being and then gundams are going to affect so we're essentially just here for the the ride to see how the world is going to react to their being here yep and then um yeah you know i i enjoyed i enjoyed double o i think it's these first these first batch of episodes in the beginning are i think it are at its strongest mm-hmm. uh, i think it's it's when you kind of go later on especially towards the middle it starts to falter a little bit um not to spoil anything, I think the climax and the ending are also really good. But in the middle, you know, the wave is riding high. We'll see how see how we'll feel in the next the following episodes. So yeah. on that note, that's the end of our inaugural episode, the Mobile Suit Podcast. And uh, you know, tune in next time for our continuing series. Uh, if you, oh, I, we need to make an email address. I forgot. <laughs> I'll be able to contact us. Oh, uh, coming contact. soon. Coming soon. Coming, coming soon. soon. Yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll get on that. So on that note, I'm Eric Wong. I'm Phil Plum. I guess. I don't know. We usually we did a segue uh, out on the previous one. I think we'll just let we'll see we'll we'll let it come organically. I guess because I was like I, I don't know like you know it's not like the other one. This is this is completely different. Yes. If if you like us, check us out our other comics podcast, The Omnibus. Yes. Oh, I guess we can't. Re- hey, Bandai. Let me say this again. Re-release the flag. <laughs> there you go. All right.